Welcome to No Interviews, Please, a recruiting podcast brought to you by Horns247. And you can find us on iTunes or the SoundCloud uh, app. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Holland, and we're here for another week. It's uh, kind of a slow one, but we're going to try to get through with some recruiting content. EJ, uh, before we get into that, how's everything going for you? It's going good, man. I'm just relaxing. My uh, wife you know, has been going to school, but she... Uh, is taking a break from school and is working full time, so it's kind of just weird to be alone at home with the cat for like eight hours. <laughs> yeah, I told you beforehand, and I wish our our listeners could hear this. I wanted to record you talking to your cat and telling her you would play with her after the podcast, as if she understood that she um, and play She's it for the upset. <laughs> she may understand that, like uh, you're talking. Now she has no clue what a podcast is. Clearly, <laughs> I think she does. She's angry. I can hear her meowing outside. Oh uh, well, like I said, it's a slow week, so it's it's going to be a. Uh, and we've had we've had really weird scheduling. You know, just the past couple weeks, just trying to meet up, and both had a lot going on, and um, just trying to meet up and get scheduled. So we don't have a ton of prep on mailbag, so there's there's not a ton of questions. They're probably going to be a shorter show than the normal, but um, we'll try to get you some some good nuggets in here. Um, let's start with just some news and notes from around the the Texas world. So the Longhorns were on spring break last week, which is why it was slow. Um, everybody went on vacation. There were no visitors. Uh, one of the really like like one or two weeks in a in a in a season where there's just really nothing going on. Um, but they got back this week. Um, a couple things happened. Uh, first of which, uh, the offer to EJ Smith, something that you and I have been, uh, kind of clamoring about for like two years. <laughs> I wrote like a name to no story on EJ Smith. Like, yeah, around two years ago, three years ago, maybe I went out to see him in the spring um, I want to say the past two years, I've always really liked E.J. Smith, one of the best kids you'll ever meet, by the way. Um, obviously, he's the son of NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, but just like one of the best kids that you can talk to. Uh, really interesting player. Uh, I saw Jesuit play uh, Skyline two years ago. I didn't see Jesuit last year. And as a sophomore, he was the best player on the field he played running back, wide receiver, safety, which actually I really liked him as a safety. But he can do a little bit of everything. He's a super versatile athlete. He's not a straight running back. He's not going to be like his dad. He's going to kind of be a do-it-all type of guy. Uh, he really wants to focus on receiver, which is interesting. He's been training at wide receiver, actually, since we first met EJ. Um, he trains with Margin Hooks, who has produced – Guys like Texas wide receivers, uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and uh, former wide receiver Davian Curtis. So I think, um, you know, I think this is a really interesting offer. Um, again, we are big fans of EJ Smith, but it might be, you know, relative to his recruitment. I mean, this is a guy that has, you know, 20 or 30 P5 offers. Relative to his recruitment, it's a pretty late offer. Yeah, I mean, it's. It is odd timing for sure. Um, you know, it's the Longhorns have always been on their own kind of schedule when it comes to offering, and and they they've said that. I mean, Tom Herman's acknowledged that that you know they offer when they're ready. Um, but 
they're obviously going to face some challenges. From what I've heard, Florida is obviously very high up there, being his father's alma mater. He has a sister who plays soccer at Texas A&M, and they've been recruiting him for quite a while. Um, so it, it would take Texas a monumental recruiting effort uh, to make up a lot the ground needed, I think, to, to really be in this race. That said, you're right. EJ is one of the best kids um, we've known and is uh, a very smart, patient kid. And um, I think that'll bear out during his uh, decision process. Good God. Can you hear Sasha in the background? Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I was about to ask if you wanted to pause it and do something about her. <laughs> okay, everyone. So this is my cat, and you can see her meows are the loudest meows in the world. We are going to pause this for a second. So again, sorry about that. I just took Sasha outside and gave her food, so hopefully she doesn't interrupt us. But um, yeah, uh, as we were saying, it was uh, kind of an interesting timing. Um, you know, obviously with him being a Florida legacy, Florida is going to be a major player for EJ Smith. He has a sister that attends Texas A&M, so if it's not Florida, I think A&M is probably in that second position. Um, when I first talked to EJ a couple of years ago, he did say he did say he had some interest in Texas, but again, I don't know how much headway they'll be able to make. I'm sure we'll see EJ uh, very soon, maybe on Sunday. Um, I'm going to go out to Margin Hooks' training session, so I might um, catch up with him there if he's out there. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's just kind of late in the game for him at this point. Yeah, does he play with Swoosh? Uh, no, he did play a couple of tournaments, I guess, here and there over the last couple of years, but he hasn't been on the circuit this 7-on-7 uh, seven seven season. Okay, so I, I didn't know if you'd maybe see him at the pylon. Um, yeah, I know you really like him as a safety. I haven't seen him play that. I I really like him as a receiver, and I, the only thing why is, and, and I try not to do this a lot with evaluation, but there was like one play that, that is stuck in my head with EJ Smith and I saw him make it last year at Prime 21. It was the most insane adjustment I've ever seen on a ball in the air and then able to land and jump cut off of like one foot all in one and like completely make the defenders whip on him. It was like – it just dropped my jaw how, how smooth and how professional it was. And – I try not to ever get stuck on one play for a guy, but with plays like that, you know, scouts always say if you see it once, you know they're capable of it. You know they can do it again. Um, and so I just really love his upside at receiver. I know he's not the fastest guy, um, you know, but I, I just really think that he's got a savvy to his game that I really like. And, uh, yeah, it's an interesting take. I, You know, I don't know that he's necessarily the fit for, like, a Mookie Cooper replacement. I think he can play a couple different things at receiver um but like we said i mean there's a couple other schools in in the pecking order here that that texas would have to leapfrog first so um we'll see kind of if they can get him on campus and where things end up there uh the other news uh, a couple of louisiana visitors coming into town so texas has um recruited louisiana i'd say pretty well at least able to get a defensive lineman out of there every year or so um there is a defensive lineman coming. He is not a 2020 prospect, but uh, his name is Mason Smith. He's from Terrebonne, I believe is how you say the school. Uh, Terrebonne High School, same high school as Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, a guy we both really like. 
Um, and then also Joel Williams from Madison Prep in Baton Rouge is coming in for a visit this weekend. Um, EJ, you have any any more on those or any any other details? Um, yeah, Mason Smith is a uh, he's not ranked, but he has a ton of P five offers. You know, like you said, Texas has had some success recruiting along the defensive line uh, in Louisiana. So getting him on campus, he's a 2021. So getting him on campus early is big for Texas. Joel Williams is a prospect I've actually seen many times. Uh, he was at Prime 21 in Dallas um, last year, and he's competed on the seven on seven circuit. So uh, I just saw him in Las Vegas last month. He's listed as a corner, but he um, plays safety uh, in the seven-on-seven circuit. I I like him as a versatile defensive back, kind of maybe as a nickel, but I think Texas has a lot of work to do in that recruitment. It seems like he's leaning more towards LSU and Texas A&M. Um, aside from that, um, you know, I, I think Texas is going to get a couple of more kids in from Louisiana this weekend. They haven't had a ton of success uh, recruiting out in the boot, so it'll be interesting to see how this weekend goes. I'm working to confirm some more names. Sounds like the cat's being murdered again. Yes, I mean, I hope she... Good night. I hope she eventually just stays quiet. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry to the listeners. Uh, we got to get through this. EJ's got a maintenance guy coming by, so we only have a small window of time to record. Um, other than that, the uh, other big trend of the week, it seemed to be top schools week. Um, a couple guys, uh, three guys, I believe, uh, released top schools list. Texas made for Prince, Dorva, Ryan Watts, J.J. Hester, and Lathan Ransom. Um, yeah, you know, no surprise with any of them. I mean, Ryan Watts was a top 10. Lathan Ransom was a top 13. Um you know, Prince Dorba was kind of more of a, a small cut, a final five, but we all know Texas is in a very good spot for Prince Dorba. Uh, they might be in that top spot, so that's definitely not a surprise. Um, Ryan Watts, uh, you know, I'm still hearing a lot of Oklahoma buzz, but Texas is right in the mix for him and is going to get him on campus on April 10th before he heads to Oklahoma for his official visit on their spring game. Um, Lathan Ransom's looking to come in for uh, a spring visit. His was uh, a list of 13, so it was a much larger list. Um, and then J.J. Hester was a top 10. We've reported that Texas is really high up there for Hester. There are a lot of factors in that recruitment, so we'll see how it kind of plays out. Um, he did make it for Junior Day last month and will likely return for a visit soon. So Texas squarely in the mix for all of those guys. Yeah, that's one that's going to test the package deal theory, I think. Um, obviously, him and, and Sevian Morrison and, and uh, Miles Slusher are committed to kind of going to school together. That's what they've said. We'll see. I mean, I, I believe them at this point, and I think there are enough good options out there for them all three to go to school somewhere. But we'll see when it comes down to personal decision time if that one sticks. Um, EJ, you were out in uh, – in Louisiana last week for Pylon uh, New Orleans. Um, first of all, uh, outside of the tournament, how'd the trip go? Um, it was good. You know, I got to uh, gamble at the casino a little bit. I uh, won a couple hundred dollars the first night and then uh, lost a hundred dollars the second night. So I ended up plus like a hundred, which was uh, kind of disappointing, but it was fun, you know, hitting the slots in the casino. 
Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to get some good food, which was also disappointing. It was uh, kind of a, a really quick trip, and the tournament was, you know, an hour away from New Orleans. So an hour there, an hour back, took out some time. I did go down on Canal and down on Bourbon, got to do some shopping and stuff. So it was a, a good trip overall. As far as the tournament goes, um, there were only a handful of Texas targets. Talked about Ryan Watts naming Texas a top school. He was out there, and uh, this is, a, I want to say, the third or fourth time I've seen Ryan Watts this offseason. Um, my overall takeaways on Ryan Watts, are, after seeing him on multiple occasions, are he's obviously big, he's athletic, his testing times at the opening were really eye-opening for his size, uh, I think there's a ton of potential there. But this is a guy that's still very, very raw from a technical standpoint. He uh, does have a little bit of stiff hips uh, when he was matched. Up. He did really well all tournament long up until the point where he was matched up with a fellow elite prospect in Coy Moore, who's a four-star receiver out of Louisiana and a former USC commit. And he just got torched. I mean, there's really no way around it. I mean, Coy Moore just ate his lunch. Um, so... That was tough to see. I think with Ryan, it's more—it's really a lot about how he develops because he has all the tools, the testing times, um, the athletic profile you want, but the development is uh, still far away. Um, Jahari Rogers was there. I love Jahari Rogers, man. I've seen him now a couple of times this offseason. You got to see him live last season. I did not. Um, but watching him at the Army Combine and watching him in 7-on-7 seven seven, and at the opening, I mean, this this is a guy that's listed at about 6 foot, but his length, like his arms are so long for his size. Um, he really frustrates receivers at the corner position. He also played some wide receiver and some quarterback at the tournament. He's just a really, really good athlete. Um, I think he's a three-star on the composite. That's extremely low. I, I would venture to say that Jahari Rogers is probably a top 25 prospect in the state. I know he only has film at quarterback, um, but what he's done this offseason combined with you know his film at quarterback, which shows what kind of athlete he is, uh, to me makes him you know around a top 25 player in the state. I think he can be a really, really good corner or a really good nickel at the next level. So those you know, were both of the guys in 2020 that were main Texas targets. I also got to see Shadrack Banks, who was phenomenal. I mean, he scored more deep touchdowns than any other receiver out there. Uh, I mean, he just gets open downfield. He just gets open all over the field, but he knows how to stretch a defense. Um, he's terrific at wide receiver. The thing that, you know, I called Mike after the tournament, obviously I think Shadrack is you know, a five-star level talent. He might be the uh, top player in 2021 in the state. But the thing that's not necessarily concerning, but just brings up question marks is his lower half. His, uh, I mean, his legs are built like tree trunks. You know, he has a big behind. So it's, uh, it's really tough to envision him. Not tough. It's just going to be really interesting to see how he, you know, continues to develop. I mean, he's just going into his junior year. I mean, I know there's been some talk about linebacker. He's obviously a terrific receiver. I mean, he showed it in the state championship game. He showed it this weekend in seven on seven. But I mean, with his lower half already being so big, I don't know how much bigger he's going to get. Texas is recruiting him at wide receiver. He does want to play wide receiver. At the same time, Shadrach understands that there's a long way to go as far as how his body's going to turn out. 
Yeah, just um, I, you know, I had the same observation seeing him at the opening a couple weeks ago. He was just he. It's just hard to I, when he walks past you. He's an absolute unit. You know, I mean, he is he is built like a linebacker from the waist down. And I think that the world is different now post little Jordan Humphrey, where you can take these athletes that you kind of don't know what they are and you can put them in the slot. And if they've got uh, the inclination that they can play that position, but yeah, it's just going to, it's just something to note and to watch how he grows and, and continues to grow. And it's also about utilization and finding the best utilization for him. You know, I mean, he may want to play receiver, but it, it may get to the point where he is a, you know, an elite linebacker or an elite pass rusher, something like that off the edge. And, uh, you know, a pretty good receiver. And um, so, yeah, I think that's something to watch. With Jahari, I totally agree. I think you kind of uh, you kind of looked at me crazy last year when I was like, hey, I'm going to this Arlington High game on Thursday night because I want to see this Jahari kid. Um, Coach Moss, our guy over at TrueBuzz, had um, been, been talking Jahari up to me for a long time. And so I, I was kind of noticing the year he was having, and I decided to go out and check him out. And, yeah, you could just tell – the way he moves and the way he's built, if you can teach him to play corner, they, they transition very well. I would almost say he's probably got the most upside position in the state. Um, like either him or Lor- I, I think he's right there with Lorando as far as upside um, and just the dream build, everything you want out of a corner. Um, so, yeah, I really love Jahari. Good to hear that uh, he had a good good weekend out in New Orleans. All right. Um, Oh, and you also had to pay a speeding ticket with your casino winnings, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did um, get a speeding ticket. I was going uh, 93 on a 75. It was just one of those where, like, you're in, like, the country in Louisiana and you just don't realize how fast you're going <laughs> because you're in the middle of nowhere. And it, I wasn't even in, like, a cool car. I was, like, in a, a Toyota Corolla. It wasn't like I was in a Tahoe Premier or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was in a Toyota Corolla. And I don't know, just lost sight, man. I, I, I've gotten like 10 speeding tickets like since I've gotten my license. It was just like another one. All right. Um, we are, I think we should move on to the mailbag. Uh, as always, get your mailbag questions into nointerviewspod at gmail.com, or you can send them directly to our DMs at nointerviewspod. Um, you know what? We're going to play an interesting game here. I just sent Charles Daniels a message saying he better get his question in now, so we'll see if he's getting it in by the end of the, the segment here. Um, our first question comes to us uh, from Trey Stein. He says, if Texas doesn't land Vernon Broughton, it would be another elite defensive lineman to add to the list from uh, Caleb on Chase to Marvin Leal, uh, where Texas was the favorite at one point, but ultimately didn't finish. How will that impact on the trail from a perception standpoint, and will Giles get fired or get some help to land the big fish? Um, so, yeah, you had the stampede that Vernon Broughton's recruitment has changed a little bit. There are some new people involved in his recruitment. Um and that A&M was making a surge. I don't, I think there's been a lot of overreaction to that this week. I don't think by any means you're saying Texas was out of it, um, or even not in as strong a position as they were. Uh, but 
I mean, look, if they don't land Broughton, I would have to say, let's see how the rest of the class shakes out. If they don't land Broughton, but they land the other three, you know, major targets they have, then I would say that's a good class. But, you know, for Giles, I think Giles has made his bed. He's, he's set his reputation. This guy is a good developer. Um, he, he teaches the position well, um, even if they don't always necessarily recruit it well. And you're okay having that on your staff if you have a bunch of other guys who can recruit lights out. Um, and I think that I, I'm, I'm no, I don't think not landing Vernon Broughton would cost Oscar Giles his job is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think there was overreaction. Look, Texas is still in a good spot. Texas may even still be in the pole position, but we've seen this movie before, so I wanted to report it because I don't want there to be a sudden change this this cycle like there was last cycle. Um, it is something to watch. A&M is right there. The dynamics of his recruitment definitely have changed over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, it's something to not panic about but it's something to be wary about that's kind of how we're taking it as reporters as well um as far as you know if, if texas misses on broaden i mean that would be huge i think broaden is a top five player in the state and has you know some of the biggest upside in this class out of the elite level prospects um and then as far as oscar giles goes you said it mike i mean he's gonna be a guy that develops talent he's done it on campus um he's one of the best coaches pure coaches on the staff so i don't think he would be fired at all if anything texas will find a way to get him some help as they have in the past when carrington helped him land moro jomo so um yeah i i think giles is what he, he is he's you know a decent recruiter and a really really great football coach and a great teacher and developer of talent all right our next question uh comes from griffin mccombs he says how do recruiting rankings across positions work for example what makes an offensive lineman a spot higher than a quarterback i think that's actually a really good question it's a very hard thing to um to quantify i I think when I rank players, I do it in a different style. So I can only kind of speak for the style I give. Um, when you're looking at guys like that, I think the national team would tell you that, um, you know, the differences between one spot to the next are very, very small. It may be just, uh, you know, we listed this guy here, we listed the other guy here. They're probably interchangeable if they're one spot apart. The way I do it is I like to rank guys into tiers as far as either low four-star, mid-four-star, or high four-star, and then I rank just within that set of who I believe has the higher upside, the better future, all of those things. So I'm not comparing um, you know, everybody on the board against each other. I'm, I'm comparing everybody in their tier against each other. That said, I do think it is a little silly to try to compare offensive linemen to safeties and, and differentiate them, um, but you know, rankings are done in a way that they are listed and you kind of have to list them out in some certain order. Yeah, everybody I'm sure has a different technique. The way I do it is I go, whenever Mike and I really like get into rankings mode and we do our own rankings, the way I do it is I pull up the 24-7 database and I pull up every recruit in the state of Texas that has an offer doesn't have to be from Texas. It can be from Air Force. And I put them into positions 
And then I watch film on basically every single one. I do quarterbacks one day, running backs the next day. And then I, um, I rank them by position, rank them in the position group. And then I give them a film grade and then I kind of give them a grade on like what I've seen from them in person, which carries more weight than film in my opinion, even though film's still important. And then I kind of just go from there and, you know, <laughs> kind of make a list. I guess it's an inexact science on, on how the, how everyone does it, but that's kind of how I do it. I just rank them by positions and then I go one by one. If I think like, I don't know, let's say Alfred Collins and Ty Jordan are like in the, in the same boat uh, on who I'm deciding to rank next. I mean, I really just go with who I think is the better prospect overall, who has a better chance of succeeding regardless of that position at the next level. And I know a lot of 24-7's rankings are based on, like, NFL potential. I, I really don't care. I care about what they do at the college level. Yeah, and I mean, I think we discuss this whenever we do rankings. But it just doesn't, like, really spot to spot doesn't matter. I mean, there's a lot of times where you may have a guy ranked sixth, and I may have him ranked third. Really, we're not talking about that big of a difference. I mean, we're talking about you know, the really, really top of the uh, top of the line talent in state. Um, now, I mean, I, I get that there's differences when you have a guy ranked 70th and, and the other, and someone else has him ranked 10th. That's a big difference. But when you're talking about just a few spots, it just doesn't really matter to me. I mean, it's, you can take them or leave them. A good example of that is like last year, we really didn't know what to do with Grant Tisdale and Rashawn Johnson. So in every ranking, we just stopped them right next to each other and basically said they're interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it's just one of those where we. Sorry, Sasha is going wild. I'm going to get up and I'm going to like record this podcast outside. <laughs> but yeah, it's to the point where I, I think um, I think there's just really not that huge of a gap when it comes spot to spot, and you just have to kind of make the decision on who you like better overall. But there's no like exact like well. I'd put the offensive tackle over the quarterback. And some people may do that. Some people may do a premium position over, you know, a regular position. Yeah, I think that happens sometimes. Um, all right. Our next question comes to us from Tariq LaCour. It says, uh, how many wide receivers do you see Texas taking cycle? I think maybe three at the most, maybe I, you know what? I can't even see him taking four. I was going to say four if they had the right ones, but I think three is probably the number. Um, yeah, I, I would say three. Um, it depends how it all shakes out at the end. You know, numbers always change, but right now I would probably say three. All right. And let's see here. I had another one. Uh, oh, Charles Daniels. Getting his question in at the nick of time, so we will feature a question for him tonight. Um, the other one I had, though, hold on, was actually in our mentions, so I've got to go there. Uh, it is from uh, Lionel H. It says, uh, what is your current prediction on Bernard Broughton, which we already gave? Um, or, well, I don't think we gave a prediction, but... And I'm not into giving predictions this early. Um, I think Texas is in a really good spot there. And um, like we said, his dynamics change, but we think Texas is still in good position right now. 
He also asked, why does EJ go from quiet mumbling to super loud, break my eardrums on the podcast in a matter of seconds? Uh, I won't speak for EJ, but I'm guessing it's just moving further away from his computer at points. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's just adjusting my computer or moving around because the cat's being bad or something. Um, and as far as my prediction for Vernon Broughton, um, you know, like I said, I mean, my crystal ball is still on Texas. I'm not really going to move it until we hear something more concrete. But again, there's just a lot to watch there moving forward. All right. And our last question, as always, comes to us from Charles Daniels. He says, having never heard him speak, I imagine Hudson Card to be a quiet, smart kid. But I've heard EJ say he has a lot of swag. Which 2020 recruit do the fans have the biggest misconception about when it comes to their personalities? Um, yeah, Hudson is like, um, he's like kind of sneaky swaggy. Um, he isn't, he's not like real obvious, but like when you talk to him, it's clear that he knows he's really good and, uh, it, it not in like an obnoxious way or anything. I don't want it to come off like that. It's just, it's clear. He doesn't lack for confidence or anything and he's just not real boastful about it. Um, but he kind of carries himself in a, in a pretty cool way. You know, I'm actually going to say Zach Evans has the personality that people have the biggest misconceptions about. I know that everybody breaks down every single thing he says into some little quote, and, um, you know, it's the be-all, end-all for everything. I've tried to caution people not to ride that wave, but it is what it is. Um, I think when you get Zach in, like, a natural setting and you just kind of talk to him, um, he's actually a really smart, really fun kid. I think that he's dealing with all the things that come from being a five-star recruit, one of the top players in the country, and a million people ask you the same questions every day. Look, I don't like it when my wife asks me the same questions every day. Um, so I can't imagine doing it on his level with the amount of people he's talking to. Um, it's another reason why I try to vary things up every time I talk to him. Uh, but I think Zach would be my answer there. Yeah, it's hard to think of someone that has, like, a misconception. I would say, you know, I would say two. I'm going to go with, like, two kind of different answers. One would be Chad Lindbergh. I think everybody thinks because of his social media personality, he's this, like, super talkative, energetic kid. And Chad's actually kind of, like, quiet in person. I mean, he, he likes talking about recruiting and other people's recruitments, but he'll just talk like me and Mike talk. He's not, like, a rah-rah type of guy or... He's not like a super, you know, he doesn't have like that personality that he necessarily has, I guess, on social media. Um, but he, he is just a really cool kid. Um, and then Jaquindon Jackson, I think, is just a guy nobody knows. Um, and I, I've known Jaquindon for three years, and he is a quiet kid. But Jaquindon's, you know, a guy that just commands a lot of respect. A lot of recruits know how good he is. He's more of a lead-by-example guy than a vocal leader. Uh, so I wouldn't say there's misconception about him. I just think that he's a guy nobody really knows what his personality is. He's not a guy that's going to, like, come on my periscope or doesn't even care what he's ranked. Um, but when it comes time to play football, everybody follows you quickly. Yeah, I would agree. I think, And I think Jaquindon, kind of like Zach, also a really small and, um, you know, if you – I've always said this. He, Jaquindon is a notoriously tough interview. If you get Jaquindon 
alone and talk to him about um, Duncanville football, he will talk your ear off. And he's he's charming and he's he's insightful and all those things. Um, it just depends on really on what you're talking about. So, um, all right, all right that's going to do it for the mailbag. As always, get your questions to nointerviewspod at gmail All right, EJ, before we get out of here, um, another another big weekend for you. Another uh, off weekend for me, kind of. Uh, before we get into your plans, I actually will be out of town this weekend. It is my sixth wedding anniversary. Um, so the wife and I are doing a little weekend getaway to San Antonio. Just going to spend a couple days down on the river walk and, um, relax. And so I will kind of mostly be out of pocket this weekend as I try not to stick too close to my phone, but you've got, uh, a busy weekend. Yes, I did. I do have a busy weekend. Is it better in here? I moved into the soundproof bathroom that I forgot was soundproof. Oh, it's certainly way worse. It's like super echoey. <laughs> All right, I will get out of the soundproof bathroom and just move to the closet. <laughs> Sorry, Sasha ruined this entire podcast. Um, she's normally a great cat. But anyway, um, I have now moved to the closet. So... Yeah, I um I do have a busy weekend. On Saturday, I'm going out to the uh, Dallas Pylon Invitational, which should have uh, a good amount of talent out there. Um, I'll get to see uh, teams like um, Flex and Truth, which which have a lot of rising talent um, all in. So I might get to see Shadrach Banks again. And Troy O'Meara, who uh, missed this past tournament, but it looks like he'll be in it for this tournament. Sooner 7v7 has uh, J.J. Hester, who we talked about. Team Grind has Quay Davis. Uh, True Buzz has Ty Jordan, Ryan Watts, Jahari Rogers. So uh, a decent amount of Texas targets. Uh, always good to get another evaluation of Jahari and Ryan, who we talked about earlier. Ty Jordan was actually on a visit to USC, so he didn't play with True Buzz this past weekend. Um, I saw him on the 7-on-7 circuit earlier in the season, and I think uh, he's one of the more dynamic players out there. He's not just a running back. He's a guy that can fill that Mookie Cooper role, even though Texas does like him as a complimentary back. Uh, I think he can do a little bit of both. Um, I think Texas and USC are the teams to beat for him. Um, I mentioned Troy O'Meara didn't make it last weekend, so I really, really want to see him in a 7-on-7 setting. We got to see him last year. Uh, on the circuit but he just was playing on a bad team and you know wasn't really utilized properly so uh, really excited to see him catch passes from Demetrius Davis if he uh, makes it out and JJ Hester is actually a recruit that I told Mike I really like but I've only seen on film um, so this would be my first in-person evaluation of Hester so really really excited uh, to see him and catch up with him as well. And then on Sunday, I'm going to the Margin Hooks um, Coach Flight Clinic, which uh, should have some guys there. I mentioned Margin Hooks trains EJ Smith. Uh, Coach Flight trains guys like uh, Chris Thompson and uh, Darius Snow. So there's bound to be some really good talent out there as well. All right. Well, we uh, apologize for Sasha. Um <laughs> We uh, 
We apologize for the short show. We're going to try to get on track, but it's also kind of a slow period and interest of recruiting in general. Um, so we will get back to you next week. As always, I'm Mike Roach. You can find me on Twitter at MikeRoach247. And EJ, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at EJ Holland 247 on Twitter, as well as Periscope. Um, and that's pretty much all you can find me at. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. We appreciate everyone for listening.